the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Radio. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Wednesday morning. We're so glad to have you with us today. I'm Gabby Smith, joined by Johnny Abair. Hey, Johnny. Good morning. Good good morning. Good to be with you. I can't believe we're <laughs> already looking around the corner at Thanksgiving. My gosh, time's moving <laughs> along. So it's a fact we should always be in that mode of Thanksgiving, right? I think... Oh, I don't know what yes. Eucharist means. That's what we're all about, right? As the Eucharistic people. <laughs> you know, last week uh, I was at St. Uh, Margaret of Scotland in uh, Foley, Alabama, and she's our patron saint today, St. Margaret of Scotland. And so I was looking at the prayers of the day, and there's a beautiful prayer here where we call upon her intercession as we get this beautiful day, cold, cold day, but a beautiful day, <laughs> off to a start in the right way. So let's do that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Loving God, you call us to holiness and create among us models of kindness. We thank you for the life of St. Margaret of Scotland, a woman of leadership and hope in a confusing world, a wife and mother excelling in patience, dedication, and love, a teacher supported and inspired by a life of learning, a generous friend and a loyal servant to the poor and the helpless, a model of Christian faith and constant prayerfulness. May her example remind us to rely not on ourselves or the world's values, but only on your grace. Grant us the courage to use the gifts of virtue that we have been given to build the kingdom of God in our own time and in our own place. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Margaret of Scotland, pray for us. Pray for us, a wonderful saint. We will learn more about St. Margaret of Scotland later on in today's show. Looking forward to, Johnny, your gospel reflection. That'll be in about six minutes, so stay with us. Johnny always has some great insights and takes on today's reading. In 18 minutes, Karen Baker joins us. She's an author, and she's also the office manager over at Mary Queen of Peace in Mandeville. We know we have a lot of listeners from the North Shore who go to Mary Queen of Peace. Well, today she joins us to talk about her new book called Faith, Hope, and a Sense of Humor, How to Survive and Thrive on the Front Lines of Parish Life. She has a wonderful story, and she was interviewed by Peter Finney with the Clarion Herald, so she'll dive deeper into her book and her story as well. In 35 minutes, Dave Plinsky joins us. He's the director of product and innovation of DeSales Media. And today he's talking about quite an interesting survey, finding many Catholics uncomfortable with sharing their faith and decreased mass attendance. So I'm extremely interested in talking to Dave about this survey. How do they get uh, this information? And also, uh, you know, I, I could kind of can see it. So why is there decreased mass attendance? Are we comfortable talking uh, about our faith? So we'll talk to Dave about this later on. 
And in 48 minutes, Randall Smith joins us. He's an author. He's going to be talking about his book, From Here to Eternity, Reflections on Death, Immorality, and Resurrection of the Body. So quite an interesting day today. And like you said, John, it is quite cold outside. In today's weather, it will be mostly cloudy and breezy with a high in the low 50s today. My goodness, <laughs> mostly cloudy and cold overnight with a low near 40. Sunshine returns on Thursday with a high in the mid 50s. I don't know about you, but the sun probably only came out yesterday for 30 minutes throughout the whole day. It was a cold one, a little breezy, so make sure you bundle up out there. Maybe grab your hot chocolate. I'm going too over the top here, but I'm telling you guys what I do to keep warm. Uh, but stay with us. We have your gospel and gospel reflection coming up right after the break. It is 5 past the hour on Wake Up. Good Wednesday to you. I'm Father Chris Decker, and today's gospel is taken from Luke chapter 19. While people were listening to Jesus speak, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem, and they thought that the kingdom of God would appear there immediately. So he said, A nobleman went off to a distant country to obtain the kingship for himself and then to return. He called ten of his servants and gave them ten gold coins and told them, Engage in trade with these until I return. His fellow citizens, however, despised him and sent a delegation after him to announce, We do not want this man to be our king. But when he returned after obtaining the kingship, he had the servants call to whom he had given the money to learn what they had gained by trading. The first one came forward and said, Sir, your gold coin has earned ten additional ones. He replied, Well done, good servant. You have been faithful in this very small matter. Take charge of ten cities. Then the second came and reported, Your gold coin, sir, has earned five more. And to this servant, too, he said, You take charge of five cities. Then the other servant came and said, Sir, here is your gold coin. I kept it stored away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you because you were a demanding man. You take up what you did not lay down, and you harvest what you did not plant. He said to him, With your own words I shall condemn you, you wicked servant. You knew I was a demanding man, taking up what I did not lay down and harvesting what I did not plant. Why did you not put my money in a bank? Then on my return I would have collected it with interest. And to those standing by he said, Take the gold coin from him and give it to the servant who has ten. But they said to him, Sir, he has ten gold coins. He replied, I tell you, to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now as for those enemies of mine who did not want me as their king, bring them here and slay them before me. After he had said this, he proceeded on his journey up to Jerusalem. Thank you, Father Chris Decker. Wow, these, with your own words, I shall condemn you. Wow, Gabby, that's some powerful (laughs) parable today, isn't it? I, I love this, I love this parable. You know, but this gospel today, it's just another piece of evidence, another blow, I guess, against those who believe that <clears throat> faith alone is sufficient to be saved. Rather, this, this teaches us that what we do with our lives, with our gifts, and with uh, our talents to build the kingdom of God uh, out of our love for Him, that's going to be the basis of our particular judgment. And this is so emphasized so everywhere else. Matthew 25, with the separation of the goats and the sheep, where He says, I was thirsty and I was naked and you fed me. 
And then Matthew 16, where Jesus says, For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done, unquote. Also parallels closely the faithful steward in Luke 20, uh, chapter 12. Anyway, it goes on. And even in the book of Revelation, we see this, that we're going to be judged according to what we did, according to our deeds. And it says this, and I quote, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works, unquote. So, you know, another thing about this, and we're actually in RCA, we're talking a lot about this, uh, and I think others are too, about how we're judged at the end, uh, you know, and it just shows so strongly how also the parable, we need to persevere to the end, not lose faith, not lose confidence in God's promises, a real strong theme in the book of Revelation. And then third, very important, it's that spirit in which we're living it every day. It's so important. It's that gives us that ability to persevere. Because you notice one thing, we're not supposed to be living in fear. And this is what the servant did. You notice that he feared the master's coming and he did nothing. But this is the exact opposite of what we talk about with the gift of the Holy Spirit. We say that gift is to have a fear of the Lord. What that means is the disposition of the soul is to have one of love, of awe, of respect, to love God so much that you don't ever want to displease him. You just don't want to offend him. So I think this is what what it sums up today. The focus for us that are hopefully saints in the making is a sincere desire to give ourselves to the God whom we love rather than on what we may receive or for ourselves. And that's the path of happiness. Even the secular world now has to admit, I think, admit that now. And then lastly... Gabby, you notice this in the in the parable that the king trusted his servants and he went away. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help think, but say, if God trusts each of us with his gifts, why do we doubt ourselves constantly? Uh, we've been given this <laughs> gift and we do have a lot of doubt, you know? Yeah. And so you see this really lived out. Jesus, you remember the with the widow's might when Jesus saw the widow who only put in two coins into the temple? She gave all she had. He was He praised her for that. And on the opposite side, see how Jesus condemned the Pharisees because they had everything. You know, they had power, prestige, but gave back nothing except burden on the top of everybody else. And then today we have such an example with uh, St. Margaret of Scotland, who was a queen who materially had everything as well. But she gave so generously of everything to herself to those in need. So the gospel's laid out before us. The examples are laid out before us, you know, and we just have to trust in that. So it asks those questions. I have yeah. to ask myself these questions today as we go on and we wake up and we move on to work and work and, and to family today. A- am I using the gifts given to me to glorify God to the fullest? And if we are, you know, realize you may not get praise for that, <laughs> except just to yeah. have comfort that the Lord trusts us. And if we're not, what are we really afraid of? Uh, so that, mm-hmm. that's really the question. Um, and persevere. So I want to, yeah. uh, I don't, have you ever heard, you remember that song of, of Caleb hears it, but, uh, the little drummer boy, remember that little song? Yes. One of my favorites. <laughs> so it's a simple <laughs> little song. Too, like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. So I saw this little video thing. It was Bing Crosby and David Bowie of all people. They were singing the little drummer boy <laughs> and, uh, 
but this is an old Czech song, Czechoslovakian song that was uh, turned in in 1941. Actually, it was it was uh, it was sung or released by the Von Trapp family singers. <laughs> Remember the Sound oh, of Music cool. thing? Yes. But it really was a reminder to me that we each have gifts that were made for one purpose: to bring the love and the light of Christ into the world with that childlike trust. So here are the words. I know it's simple. But it's profound in its simplicity. I'm not going to sing all the rump-a-tum-tum stuff because that would get too long. <laughs> but, but here it is. Little baby, I am a poor boy too. I have no gift to bring that's fit to give our king. Shall I play for you? Mary nodded and I played my best for him. Then he smiled at me, me and my drum. So maybe we just imagine that Mary giving us a nod, go ahead, do something for the son, and then imagine that Lord just smiling at you for the gift that you give. Anyway, <laughs> the thing about it is we get to Thanksgiving, right? Well, yes. speaking of perseverance, Karen Baker is going to join us next to talk about how to survive and thrive on the front lines of parish life. A little bit of humor and hope coming your way. It's quarter past the hour. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for November 16th. Today we celebrate St. Margaret of Scotland. A daughter of the Anglo-Saxon prince, Margaret first met her future husband when her family was shipwrecked off the coast of Scotland. For the most part, Margaret and King Malcolm, who married in 1070 when she was about 20, were happy together. Malcolm was good-hearted, but rough and uncultured, as was Scotland itself. As a wife, she was able to soften the king's temper, polish his manners, and help him become a virtuous ruler. She also influenced her adopted country, promoting the arts and education. Together, the royal couple founded several churches. Margaret took religious reforms seriously, working to correct abuses among priests and laity. As a mother, she personally supervised the religious instruction of her six sons and two daughters. The queen's private life was austere. She ate sparingly and slept little in order to have more time for devotions. On the way home from Mass, Margaret would wash the feet of six poor persons and give them alms. In public, she was always surrounded by beggars, and she never refused them. Margaret died in 1093, four days after her beloved husband was killed in battle. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. past the hour. Thanks so much for tuning into Wake Up This Morning on Catholic Community Radio. I'm Gabby Smith along with Johnny Bear. Our first guest today is Karen Baker. She's an author and office manager at Mary Queen of Peace in Mandeville. I know we have a lot of listeners on the North Shore. And today she joins us to talk about her new book called Faith, Hope, and a Sense of Humor, How to Survive and Thrive on the Front Lines of Parish Life. Good morning, Karen. Thanks for being with us today. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, you know, I've gotten requests to have you join us on our morning show, and then I see an article in the Clarion Herald about you. I am looking forward to this interview. So get us started, Karen. Tell us a little bit about your story and your book. Well, um, you know, the book, people ask how the book came about. Well, I worked, I worked at the Times speaking for many years, for about 20 years. And I also went through the, when I was volunteering in my parish at Mary Queen of Peace in Mandeville. I um, I loved ministry, so I, I went through the Loyola ministry program, got a master's in pastoral studies, and then 
Then I also went through a program at Notre Dame Seminary for lay ecclesial ministers. And then I got laid off from the Times Picayune. So it all kind of, I think God works in his sometimes mysterious way. Sometimes it's pretty obvious because I was in the Holy Land when I got laid off from the Times Picayune. And I thought, well, wow. I guess Jesus is calling me somewhere to, to work for him in the church. So I, I did a couple of other jobs. And then I ended up, um, my pastor hired me at Mary Queen of Peace seven years ago. So so with all the stories that happen in parish life, every time something would happen, we'd say, we should write a book about that. So I <laughs> ended up thinking, well, maybe we should. And so I just take these stories and also look at what virtues we need to, to survive and thrive when you work in a parish or really in any customer service, because we're serving the parishioners at Mary Queen of Peace and ultimately, of course, serving God. So how do we do that? faithfully and, and better despite the challenges that come our way. So that's how the book kind of came about and my little background that really um, enjoyed doing it. I love my parish and I love writing. So it all came together. Absolutely. I think so many people, especially right now, and I found a lot of older people um, are experiencing unemployment. Um, we have we know so many people right now who are struggling just to find a job. So talk about how the experience of trusting in God through the process of something like getting laid off like that. And then, um, you know, and, and saying, God, I put it in your hands. That's really tough to do these days. It is. And I think my last chapter about surrender, and I talk about, yes, the, the idea that, you know, we don't know where God's leading sometimes, but we do have to trust and we have to surrender to His will. And mm-hmm. doesn't mean we stop trying. Of course, I was always applying for jobs and reading for jobs. and But just trusting that, you know, God will provide, and, and He does, certainly. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit, Karen, your book title, Faith, Hope, and a Sense of Humor. The sense of humor part, of course, I'm always looking for something like that in a book because it kind of spices it up a little bit. But tell us a little bit about that (laughs) aspect of your story. Well, I think in general, it's the way I, kind of the way I write, the way I look at life, you know, we have to be able to to laugh at ourselves mostly because when you 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 do something, it's like, oh, I should have done that. Nothing terrible, but you have to be able to laugh at yourself. And situations that are beyond your control, otherwise it's going to be very hard, you know, because I, I know I talk about one time when I, you know, I sent an email out and I, I just, I, it was supposed to be someone passed away, but I left the pee off, which was terrible, but I couldn't laugh at it at the time, but later I was like, oh, that was, that was crazy. Or I, you know, double booked a church and someone called and said, I have to cancel this event. I said, well, thankfully, because I didn't realize I double booked a church. So oh. it's been that <laughs> too. <laughs> to be humble enough to accept when you make mistakes, of course, we all do, and we all have to keep going and persevere and have that, you know, that sense of humor, which I, I did find, I didn't think, well, it's a sense of humor or virtue, so I have to, had to look it up, and I did find, you know, several references to that, because laughing at the oddity of human life, and that's certainly, certainly a virtue, because otherwise we would probably get depressed and say, well, what's the point of all this? but you have to be able to laugh a little bit. Absolutely. Let's talk about, so you're the office manager at Mary Queen of Peace. Mm-hmm. We sometimes forget yeah. the roles that those who work in parish, your your church parish, uh, do mm-hmm. to make it what it is. Uh, Mary Queen of Peace is a huge parish over on the North Shore in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Tell us about how, how that has been and how that has grown and shaped your faith life. Well, sure. Well, I've been, yes, a large parish. Um, We are certainly um, growing, I think, 
after COVID, that was the big challenge. And that affected the book, of course. I started writing the book before COVID, and then that really contributed to some of what I had to write about is how do you serve parishioners when they can't come to the actual physical campus? And I think that has affected the way we look at ministry in certain ways, which is a good thing because now it's really just reaching out and being in touch. And I think for our parish, people do feel that we, they're all part of, we're all part of the same mission, of course. And as far as the the growth of the parish, the more you welcome people, the more you keep them in touch and communicate and see what they need and how they can share their gifts, because that's a big part of Mary Queen of Peace. So many people have they want to share their gifts. They want to be part of feeding the hungry and caring for the poor and living a life of faith. So that's been, um, and it's made a big impact on my life. I've been a parishioner here for probably, well, my daughter's almost 30, so almost 30 years, goodness. And I think it really, mm-hmm. I really had the opportunity to grow in faith because they were so open to people, new people coming in. You know, sometimes you'll say, well, I'm, I'm new. Well, there's, you might have trouble getting in and sharing your gifts, but we always try to to do that. Father Ronnie was Calkins' pastor at the time, and he really encouraged me to use my, well, <laughs> encouraged me because I work for the newspaper suit. We get pictures in the paper. I'm like, okay, sure. And um, <laughs> so it helps you to open that door to how you can share your gifts. And then Father John, our present pastor, who will now be bishop in Atlanta, auxiliary bishop, mm-hmm. he hired me and gave me the opportunity to, to share my gifts for the things I do for the parish. So I'm very grateful for that. Well, and that's a perfect segue, you know, uh, how has that been seeing him mm-hmm. getting receiving that call and now yeah. being, him being toward Atlanta and that's a bigger role? Uh, that must be so exciting for the parish. It's exciting and, and bittersweet and for, you know, because we, we hate to see him go. Of course, um, he'll be a, he'll be an excellent bishop because it's He's so humble, and it's not something he was mm-hmm. looking for. You know, we also have to remember to pray for him because it is a big change in his life and in his role. But he certainly will serve people well. We know that because he is such a model of humility and just following, you know, God's will. Because uh, it will change his life. It'll change, and then yeah, here you know, parish life goes on. So how do we keep dealing with all the day-to-day things and that are needed? You know, funerals and Christmas coming up and all of that. So we have to keep the wheels turning and also make sure we we are there for him and to help him along this journey. Absolutely. Karen Baker, author of Faith, Hope, and a Sense of Humor, How to Survive and Thrive on the Front Lines of Parish Life. Karen, where can we pick up a copy of your book? Yeah, well, and it'd be a great Christmas gift for people who work in parishes or mm-hmm. schools or even customer service, because I think about the way we treat people, you know, it's all very important. The book is available, I believe, Catholic Bookstore on Carrollton should still have some copies. They were kind enough to have a book signing, and then you can also get it through our Sunday Visitor or on Amazon. Karen, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for highlighting uh, the crucial need and responsibility that is of parish life and those who volunteer, but also work in a parish to make Mm -hmm. it uh, what it is. So thank you so much, Karen, for being with us today. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Take care.
Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, Karen. Yeah, you can check that out. She also has an article in the Clarion Herald, uh, clarionherald.org, uh, and, and, and search her name as well. So you can take a look at that wonderful story over by the Clarion Herald. But real quick, so I Give Catholic is on Giving Tuesday. You've probably heard of I Give Catholic. We've been doing this for, I think, six or seven years now. And uh, we have seen just the wonderful benefits of this Giving Day. It's a 24-hour online day of giving on Giving Tuesday which is Tuesday, November 29th. So it's the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. You had Thanksgiving, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday. Uh, and Johnny, it has just been so wonderful. So Advanced Giving is happening right now through November 28th. You can go to igivecatholic.org and search Catholic Community Radio. And thank you so much to those who have already given in advance. So what exactly does that mean? If you're not going to be by a computer on the actual giving day, you can donate early, but your card won't be charged until the giving day. So you can donate whatever amount you want and it won't be charged until the actual day of November 29th. So take a look. There's so many ministries that have talked about it on Catholic Community Radio, and we are one of the ministries that are participating, like I said earlier. So uh, your donations will keep us continuing to broadcast the morning show and receive equipment that is constantly needing to be updated and, and changed and things break all the time, just like your equipment at home breaks or you're at your office office. So this, that's what we need as far as our needs. So more information is on our giving page. Like I said, I give catholic.org and search Catholic community radio for that. Uh, but, uh, yep. Save the date Tuesday, November 29th. There are so many ministries out there so you can take a look at that. So, and real quick, Johnny, uh, because we have Advent coming up Christmas a season. And of course I know, this is so far away, but Lent, we are already getting events for next year. If you want to send us your event, absolutely free. You can go to ccradio.live, click on events and news and click on submit your event. You can send me as many events as you want. Like I said, we've already gotten some event submissions for 2023. So stay with us. When we come back from the break, we're talking to Dave Plinsky. He's going to be talking about a survey, finding many Catholics uncomfortable with sharing their faith. It's going to be an interesting conversation with Dave. It's half past the hour on Wake Up. It is 35 past the hour. Thanks so much for tuning in to Wake Up This Morning. I'm Gabby Smith along with Johnny Bear. We're live on our YouTube channel. You can go to youtube.com and search Catholic Community Radio. We're also live on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Catholic Community Radio. So there are many ways to watch us live. Of course, our website at ccradio.live. Our next guest is Dave Plinsky. He is the Director of Product and Innovation at DeSales Media. And today he's talking about quite an interesting survey that's finding many Catholics uncomfortable with sharing their faith and decreased mass attendance. This is quite interesting. And um, honestly, Dave, not surprised. Looking forward to hearing more information from you and what you found. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hi, Gabby. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Good morning. What inspired you to start a survey like this, and how did you find your uh, your findings and your conclusions? Yeah, um, you know, so the sales media uh, does a whole bunch of different things. Um, one of, and no matter what we're doing, we're we're trying to serve Catholics, bringing them deeper into their faith. 
And uh, without going too far into it, we, we believe that um, uh, that intentional disciples are those those among us who are particularly good at bringing in new people into the faith, right, to do the evangelization work of, of reaching out to, to the masses, making disciples of all nations, and, and, you know, kind of living that great commission. And if that's the case, then we ask ourselves, what are the unmet needs of intentional disciples, the, the devout Catholics, uh, who, are, who are, you know, furthest along in their discipleship? And so we, we ran this study um, to, try to, to try to hear, you know, responses from them, understanding their spiritual lives, and then asking what their unmet needs are. And what we learned about their spiritual lives, like you said, uh, was a little bit surprising in terms of evangelization. So we learned that um, only 82% are at least slightly comfortable talking about their faith with others. 82% sounds like a high number. Um, but like I said, mm-hmm. this is this is the most devout Catholics among us, you know. So, uh, and I can qualify mm-hmm. that if you like, you know, how we kind of went about that. But um, you know, that, that, I would hope that number would be really, really high because if it's if it's you know if not all of those people are doing it, then who is doing it, right? I would I would expect, you know, uh, those those less active in their faith to be even you know far far less comfortable. Um, and then taking it a step further. We found that only 52% are moderately or extremely proactive in sharing their faith. So not just mm. uh, not as comfortable as I would like to see, but uh, limited in bringing bringing you know bringing the conversations and talking about those, the faith with others. Absolutely. Dave, there's so many scenarios going through my head right now. You know, uh, we've seen the Catholics who are, some are very devout and they publicly express their faith life and their faith, but then we see them going behind and maybe gossiping about someone or not really living out their faith. And that can kind of confuse us at times. Or we see the Catholic, which sometimes I'm like this, and I'm going to be very quite honest with it, um, where we want to respect the person that we're talking to and maybe not offend them at times, but I'm wearing a cross, you know, you can see that I am Catholic, I'm living my faith, Um, and and we just kind of want to feel the waters when we're meeting someone new. So, um, but this is quite interesting. One in five devout Catholics are uncomfortable publicly talking about their faith. Um, What about living the faith? Is that kind of going hand in hand with that as well? Um, Yeah, so there's different ways to live the faith. there are there's a couple of interesting findings that we found in, in this way, in, you know, kind of along the, the living out the faith. Um, when it comes to spiritual direction, nearly half have never received spiritual direction. And wow. uh, more than half do not go on retreat. So these are two ways that I would expect, you know, those disciples uh, to, to be, mm-hmm. you know, taking their faith seriously, looking for, uh, you know, um, someone to, someone to, to talk to about their about what they go through uh, in their discipleship, and and then and then you know seeking mm-hmm. that sol- silence, silence and solitude that you know all priests, religious and seminarians are required to do, but not lay people. But and still, I would I would expect for them to be seeking it, right? We know that mm-hmm. it's so effective for prayer. Dave, we were waiting for a survey like this to actually come out uh, post pandemic. 
the decreased mass attendance, um, a lot of times things going virtual, which which has benefited so many maybe older people who have who couldn't go to mass and can now watch the mass. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, the fact that churches have been reopened for quite some time now, many parishes are even distributing the blood. I know in in Louisiana, the Diocese of Baton Rouge will be starting soon. Um, but talk about that, the decreased mass attendance. Is that going hand in hand with what you find in the one in five devout Catholics and not expressing their faith publicly? Well, uh, thankfully, no. Um, yeah, so th- this is definitely a mass attending crowd. In fact, that was one of the that's one of the uh, <laughs> the ways that we that we made sure that these people are in fact uh, devout Catholics that they that they're attending mass regularly. So, th- so we only we only heard from people that are at least attending mass weekly, basically. Uh, and this, by the way, the study was conducted in 2000, last year, in 2021, um, when, you know, a lot of dioceses were going through, this was basically May through December of 2021, when there was still a lot of, you know, COVID going on, and, and a lot of dioceses yeah. had, had different um, restrictions in place still. And so um, it was nice to see that, uh, so, so we allowed for that, we, we allowed people to say that they attended either physically or virtually, because some people still couldn't get the physical mask near them. Um, in person, uh, but 97% of, of respondents attended mass physically anyway. Um, most, yeah. most, uh, most of these people attended mass at least uh, uh, five times in the past four weeks. So getting one additional, you know, mass in beyond just Sunday mass, uh, and many of them attending even more than that. But, uh, but, but still a quarter only attending kind of the the required you know, Sunday mass. Uh, Type of thing. So, again, like something that I don't know if I would expect. Mm-hmm. Dave, who is this survey kind of geared towards? Who do you think will, could it benefit most? Yeah, I, I, two 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 audiences. Um, one is people who work in ministry, whether you work at your parish uh, as a volunteer or as a hired person, or in a diocese or any other ministry. Um, you know, I think that there's a there's a lot of rich data here that helps us identify you know where some of that white space is to be, to address these needs of intentional disciples um and then the second is just every every other catholic in the pews uh, especially those um interested in in going deeper in their faith and, and with their relationship with the lord um you know this helps us build out a profile of what these what these disciples look like so it may help you recognize other people you know where they are in their journey what they may what they may be needing in terms of accompaniment or anything else Mm-hmm. Dave, with the current culture that we're in right now, especially in the United States, we have about two minutes. Should we be afraid to express our faith? One in five. That's a lot. No, <laughs> no, be not afraid. As, as St. Pope John Paul II said, you know, it, it, it's so yeah. important to, it, I think we, I think we've, we're kind of used to this idea that we, that the two things that you shouldn't talk about are politics and religion. Well, I, I, like, I'm not saying shove it down anyone's throats, right? That's, that's, it, it would, it would right. be inappropriate to, um, to, to, try to, to try to just proselytize, you know, or, or, or something like that. But at the same time, you know, if our, if our faith is impacting every aspect of our lives as it should be, then it's going to naturally come up in conversation with people, even those yes. uh, who, who, do, who do not you know, come from the same tradition as us. And I think it's totally appropriate to be sharing that uh, with them, asking them questions. Just be curious, you know, like people, <laughs> you know, share, share your life with them. And, and I think uh, it will naturally come out. 
Absolutely. Great points. And sometimes we kind of need that little reminder. Um, but Dave Plisky, thank you so much. Where can we go? Can we take a look at this survey, maybe on a website or uh, any kind of a booklet or anything like that? Where can we go to find out more information about you and DeSales Media? Yeah, it's on our website. So, uh, so DeSales, like St. Francis DeSales, D-E-S-A-L-E-S media.org slash discipleship. Anyone can download the whole the whole report for free. Thank you so much, Dave, for being with us today. Dave Plinsky, Director of Product and Innovation at DeSales Media. I linked the website in the comment section for today's Facebook Live video. Interesting information, Dave. We appreciate you diving deeper into it. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Randall Smith joins us when we come back from the break. He's going to talk about his book, From Here to Eternity, Reflections on Death, Immorality, and Resurrection of the Body. Johnny will be taking over that interview. It is 45 past the hour on Wake Up. Delivering customized services while developing lasting client relationships is what sets Olent Group One Solution apart. As an independently owned agency for over 25 years, the foundation of Olent Group's success is the commitment to help individuals and businesses maximize and protect their economic potential by providing personal attention, quality products, and superior services. Olet Group offers employee benefit consulting, financial services, property and casualty, and specialized insurance for emergency services. Visit olengroup.com and see how our family protects yours. Olend Group, one solution, helping address your needs today and for many years to come. Securities offered through Talton & Associates Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, OSJ, 2701 North Rocky Point Drive, Suite 1000, Tampa, Florida, 33607, 813-264-0440. Olin Group, Olin Financial Group, Massett Olin Benefits Consulting, Olin Porsche Insurance are not owned or controlled by Talton & Associates Incorporated. Seven past the hour. I'll wake up. So glad that you joined us and uh, with us today. Want to uh, thank you for that. Spread the word. Uh, now more than ever is uh, the message of Jesus Christ needed across the airways across the globe. And uh, to talk about things that are really important, the end of all things. Let's uh, join now with Randall Smith. He's the author of a book, From Here to Eternity: Reflections on Death, Immortality and the resurrection of the body. Good morning, Randall. Good morning. It's so good to have you with us. It's perfect timing, I mean, given the gospel. In fact, we're talking about this at RCIA, this topic. So uh, let's start with the fact that, and you point this out in your book, that throughout history and across all cultures, people have shared this belief that somehow the human person survives death. And uh, this seems to be kind of anti-Darwinian. I mean, if we're just animals trying to survive... What would be the point of finding meaning, meaning here? So what did your research find? Did, did we invent this, or uh, are we just wired that way? Well, you know, I don't... Uh, I, I, it's a, it, again, one says that across cultures, and uh, I suppose listeners have to ask themselves, you know, why if, uh, you know, a creature that merely evolved, we have certainly evolved, but if that was the full story about our life, do we find ourselves with this deep uh, desire and this feeling that there is something in us which transcends uh, this life and the belief 
Uh, I think, uh, again, uh, for most people the, throughout history and cultures, the belief that if there's not something after death, right, if all that we've experienced, all our loves, our joys, the people we're related to, if somehow when we experience death, that all just ends up in oblivion, then life is, seems at least pointless and meaningless. What was the point of all that? Though some belief that there has to be something beyond death, or otherwise, um, life seems meaningless. Exactly, and I was curious about that. You know, when you were looking back at all this, you know, um, some uh, critics would say, "Well, this is just hope." You know, yeah, people feel this way, and so they invent this idea of an afterlife, but. I mean, there's actual, if you look back right across the ages, what do you see in terms of, there's reason for this. This isn't, uh, there's, I guess what you call evidence, if you will. Uh, it's not just a fantasy. So uh, what, did, what did you find in looking back at these, at these uh, I guess, similarities or these stories of true encounters, I guess, with the other side? Well, what I found actually was, uh, and my interest was primarily in the uh, Christian notion of the resurrection of the body. And one of the limitations, one of the problems it seems to me you find with most views of the afterlife is that they also make this life meaningless. I mean, if heaven is so great, in a sense, why not just get there? Like, why are we hanging out here in any way, shape, or form? Mm-hmm. And, right, you could have, so for example, I mean, here's a, here's a notion of the afterlife. If you think that the goal of life is to live a chaste life with virtues and then your vision of heaven is sex with 76 virgins. Well, that's a notion of the afterlife which negates this life, right? It negates the goal of this life. So you have to have, it seems to me, right, for the afterlife to be meaningful. It can't be a view of the afterlife that makes this life meaningless. And a lot of views, most I would suggest, in fact, almost all views of the afterlife make this life meaningless except the notion of the resurrection of the body. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, let's talk about that more uh, with respect to Christianity, because we see this, I guess, maybe for the perhaps the first time, Jesus, he's communicating directly with the dead, Moses and Elijah. In other words, it's this line now, it gets fuzzy. Uh, we see Jesus raising people from the dead, saying God is the God of the living, not of the dead. He goes and frees these saints in Hades after he dies, and then John sees these martyrs in heaven praying for us and the prayers being exchanged. Uh, so so this uh, transition, you know, becomes a little uh, uh, less uh, uh, hard in a sense. So was this revelation something new, or in your review, looking back, is this the culmination of all these cultures and all these beliefs building up to this point of, of what Jesus has shown to us? Well, I think other uh, traditions have... a give us, you know, a glimpse of this in certain ways, like that desire which God has put in the human heart. But the only, I argue, in fact, the only thing we really know about heaven, or the primary revelation about what the afterlife is like, is, exists, or is revealed to us in the body of the resurrected Christ. And what that tells us is that after death, we will be united with God fully, uh, in the Trinity, right, in the, with the love which has been going on between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for all eternity. But 
What's also very important is it's not like we're a drop of water that returns to the ocean. We retain our personal identity. When Jesus is resurrected, he has shares completely in the glory of the Father, but it's still him. He still has the wounds on his hands and his side and still sits down to eat with his you know, disciples and apostles, and of course now continues to be present to us all around the world. And it seems to me that's the thing many people fear uh, about death. One of the biggest things perhaps they fear about death is losing their loved ones, right? Mm, And the people, the thing we fear about death when other people are dying, people we love, our grandmother, our mother, our father, a good friend, is that we lose their uh, contact, we lose that relationship with them. And the promise, it seems to me, of the resurrection of the body and the communion of saints is that that love we have for them simply doesn't die, because they don't die. They are united with the risen body of Christ. Mm. We're talking with Randall Smith, and the book is From Here to Eternity, Reflections on Death, Immortality, and the Resurrection of the Body. Let's talk more about that, the, our bodies, because it, we, the Lord teaches us uh, that our bodies will be raised but transformed in some ways, which means we're not just spiritual creatures, or as you say, dissolving into the, the ocean in a sense. So, so what does that say about how we view our human bodies now, you know? Yeah, no, there is this Gnostic tendency throughout the history of the, uh, the Church, and, and not just in, in the Church, but it's something which infects the Church. This belief that, you know, the body is something which is the source of evil, um, when St. Augustine was a Manichae, that was their belief, and there have been many people who've had that belief. And so they don't like the Old Testament because, they, well, the old God of the Old Testament, I think, creates matter, and we all know, they thought, that matter is bad, whereas the, in Genesis it tells us that everything God created is good, very good, including, of course, the body. And so what we the get body. in the modern world oftentimes, unfortunately, is this forgetfulness of the body and and this refusal to accept the limitations of the body and the importance of the body. And as John Paul II used to say, the great Saint John Paul II, is that we commune with others, right? We communicate with them, we give ourselves to them in and through the body. The body's not unimportant. It's not the only important thing, right? Again, in our culture we tend right, to either say, right. well, we're only bodies or only spirit, but we have to have a sacramental view of the body. The body is an oh, instrument of God's love. It's very so true. Well, well Randall, uh, where can we get a copy of the book? It's a powerful topic. It is on Amazon, uh, but it is also available through the publisher, which is the wonderful uh, Emmaus Press. Uh, Emmaus, E-M-M-A-U-S. Uh, that, of course, is the press that was started by the great Scott Hahn. Uh, mm, but they're right. publishing all sorts of wonderful books. Uh, thank you so much, Randall, for being with us this morning and talking about this crucial topic. God bless. Have thank a great you. day. You too. Um, well, a wonderful theme today leading up to the yeah. promise of heaven. So let's, let's go out in prayer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Oh, gracious and loving God, you have entrusted to us the mission of building the kingdom of God, giving to each of us all the graces and gifts needed to have a life of abundance filled with joy and expectation of what you have in store, both in this life and in the world to come. Help us to cling on ever closer to you and be confident in your promises. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful Wednesday. God bless. Wake up. 
is a production of Catholic Community Radio.